Welcome to the Top Gear Magazine podcast, a peek behind the curtain of what it's really like to drive other people's cars for a living. These are the stories behind the story. Hello, I'm Jack Ricks, Top Gear Magazine's editor, joined as ever by my main man, Rowan Horncastle, TG's head of content. At this episode, we're talking about the TopGear.com Electric Awards, the Porsche GT4 RS, and buzzing about in Newquay. But first, Ro, what have you been thinking about? Many things, but I do, I've been thinking about the future of EVs, because do you remember when the iPhone was new? Vaguely, yeah. Yeah, and we'd, but every generation we would get excited about, mm-hmm. I've just got a new iPhone. I'm not that excited about it. I don't really know a lot about it. I've just got a new one, but it's got new technology involved. I'm worried that cars are going to go that way. We're, we're on the first generation of EVs from big manufacturers, and they're throwing all the glitzy, Gucci bits of it, big TVs, big screens. But where does it go, and will they just become, in years to come, you're Just right. the next incremental range improvement, you know. Do you you don't need more than a certain amount of power in certain types of cars? So. Yeah. But where iPhones are just smattering more cameras onto the front or back mm-hmm. of them, can't really do that. Well, we can't. They will because they just start driving themselves. But are we going to get less excited the more they go on when we're I on the seventh generation of the ID three? Well, I've got some ideas about it. I know what you mean the, the, this sort of merry-go-round of technology that you have to keep updating because we've got this sort of endless thirst for new, new, new stuff. And cars, you know, really, a new car should earn its place in the world, shouldn't it, with a new experience or a new idea or something. But do you know what? I know someone who might be able to help us out with this. Who's that? Um, Marquez Brownlee. So Marquez... If you don't know him already, he's the number one, the biggest tech reviewer on YouTube. But he's also, in his spare time, uh, a contributor to, uh, or a contributor even, don't know why I had trouble with that word. Uh, it's a tricky Gear, one. Tr- it is a tricky one, to Top Gear magazine. So each month he, um, he reviews an electric car and um, writes about it in his uh, specific column called Hard Drive. So, should we get him on? Yeah, let's unbox. There you go. That's a very tech YouTuber phrase you are good this subject okay marquez are you there i'm here there he is marcus brownlee mr marquez brownlee in the house top gear contributor and tech king yeah exactly and the first guest we've ever had on that clearly has a far superior personalized podcast studio behind them you're just making us look bad now marquez what's what, what are those things behind you Oh, I got the acoustic tiles. You know, this is the quietest room in the studio. It's got to sound magnificent for the Top Gear podcast, you know. Top man. Top man. Um, well, Ro, you wanted to fire away with the first question because there was something that was going through your mind recently. Yeah, yeah, Marcus, we've, we've just been talking about the relationship between consumer tech and cars, and it seems to be getting closer and closer. And I was saying that I've just got a new iPhone. And when mm. iPhones were new, I used to know every update that was in every generation. And I'm worried that EVs are going to get to the point where it's where an iPhone 13, where I didn't really know what the difference was between the 12 <laughs> and the 11. And I've just got mm. a new one for the sake of getting a new one. Um, and there's only been incremental changes. Could we see that in cars of the future? Is the ID3, is generation seven of that going to be, you know, the same. Noticeable or, yeah, yeah, or the, same the same with a bit got... better range. It's yeah. kind of like incremental improvements from now on. I, so I've definitely seen links. And it's funny you mentioned like Generation 7. It's probably going to be a while before we get to the point where they're mature enough, where we're like maybe a little bored by small generational differences. But we're kind of in this exciting place where EVs are so new that the first gen to the second gen is huge. Remember the first mm-hmm. first iPhone to the second iPhone? It was like, mm. oh, we, we added a camera to the front on one of the first iPhones, and that was a huge yeah. deal. Um, but, you know, maybe in like 10 years or so, yeah, it's going to feel probably kind of the same as smartphones where you'll really have to appreciate the smaller differences. Yeah, well, look, we, we need a job as much as you still need a job, Marquez. So manufacturers, keep putting the differences in your cars because we need something to write about or talk about. Um, all right, so I'm going to swerve the conversation towards Tesla. Now, you are a Tesla owner. Is it fair to say you're a Tesla fanboy or, you know, what would you call it? No, you know, I, I, I'm lucky enough that I have, I have a really large amount of cars to choose from, and I've chosen the Tesla Model S. All right. Uh, and I've chosen it because I think it's the best product right now, but I would change. If there was a better product, I would definitely change. Yeah, and uh, am I right that you've got yourself a deposit down for a 
Tesla Roadster. Are we ever going to see that car? Who knows? I'm just rant. I'm I'm literally right now writing a video where I'm ranting a little bit about the state of pre-ordering cars because it's been like five years since I deposited that. Yeah, and they've um, got an interest-free loan basically from you just to keep that business afloat. You know what the fun fact is? So if you put if you got a Founders Edition that was 250 grand within 10 days of ordering, if you had put that 250 grand into Tesla stock that day, that would be worth about four and a half million dollars today. So I I instead would be have, yeah, you're right. I would have given them an interest-free loan of a quarter million dollars. And that's that's a long time. And and weirdly, the Roadster kind of feels like the the Halo Tesla product that's probably closer to coming to becoming real than the Cybertruck, which again, they took, you know, hundreds of thousands of hundred dollar deposits when they revealed that. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny that Cybertruck seems to be like prioritized over the Roadster now because, you know, Elon keeps saying the Roadster is like dessert. It's like the list of cherry on top or whatever. <laughs> so we'll theoretically see the, the Cybertruck first, but, you know, we'll see. Well, you've had lots of experience with Elon. How do you find him as a someone to interview and speak to? That was fun. He's, I mean, he's as big of a nerd as it gets in, you know, the, the world of interviewing tech CEOs. I mean, a lot of these guys are business people first. They're very trained uh, on media training and, and answering questions on camera. But it's fun, you know, with him walking into the room, he's like looking at the cameras and the gimbals we're using. Like, what is that? Like, how do you, how does this work? What are you guys doing with these things? So, yeah, it was, it was one of the more fun video shoots we've been on. Well, look, it's the same for us. You know, car, car company CEOs, they can vary wildly. You can have one who's, you know, a marketing guy or a finance guy who's not particularly comfortable around press. And then suddenly you get, occasionally you get a bit of a rock star, you know, and mm-hmm. they come in, they shake things up and they're cool and they want to drive the cars sideways everywhere. And um, you never know what you're going to get. It sounds like Elon's one of the fun ones, though. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm curious who's your fun ones. Who's the fun tech CEOs oh, I should, I should talk oh, to? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to have to put... Well, look, there's a guy called Tobias Merz. He's, uh, he used to be the boss of AMG. Okay. Um, he's now the boss of Aston Martin, which is a, 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 a tricky job right now. Mm-hmm. But um, he was like Mr. AMG. So you'd, you'd go on a launch of an AMG and he'd be the one, you know, oh, jump in. I want to take you for a fast lap of the track. And, you know, he'd be there smoking cigarettes out the back and chatting about <laughs> the cars and drinking beers. And, you know, he, he was great fun. He, di- he didn't want to be on a pedestal. He wanted to be talking about you, the you product. You can feel the personality of the car. That's the thing is that you need these CEOs who aren't just the, you know, the guys with the purse to try and get as much money out of the company as possible, but also believe in the product. And there's a few, don't want to name them all, but uh, (laughs) yeah, there's a few who are better to work with than others and get their their products. But also, we've, over the last, you know, year or so, thrown you through through so many cars. What's, like, stuck out for you in in the EV world? Oh, there's a lot. I mean, it's fun. So I kind of split it in my head of, like, the fun ones and then the ones that we need. So like, yeah, the Taycan and the e-tron RS and all these fun ones are super exciting. But if we really believe that the future of all cars is electric, we need the ID4s and we need the, the, the Kona electrics and we need all the ones that regular people will buy to also be really good. So I've had a lot of fun. I was very impressed with Audi's e-tron RS GT. Am I saying that in the right yeah. order? Yeah, yeah, yeah. E-tron RS GT. It's a lot that, of letters. It's a lot of letters. Yeah. 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 I loved, I loved that car. I love that interior. Uh, the Taycan constantly impresses me. I'm probably saying that wrong too. Um, uh, you're good. No, you're good. You, you, that's right. Am I? Okay, good. <laughs> but uh, I I was really into the Rivian R1T recently, mm. and I really want them to ship more of that thing because I was that might be the most impressive I've ever been with an EV. Just straight up seeing it for the first time and driving it. Yeah, I've, we've heard great things. In fact, next series of the TV show, uh, Freddie Flintoff, one of the presenters. Uh, he came out to America. They've done a big film on it. I'm so excited about that car. I haven't even seen one for real. In the flesh, yeah. Never seen one in the flesh. I've, I've, I've read about it. I've seen it. It's it's super exciting. But where we over here in Europe had like our first generation of EVs last year, America's year is this year. We've got the Rivian, the Lucid Air, and all of these are new companies. And that's where it's like very tech startup-y. They're coming to make a big difference. The kind of legacy brands are slightly suffering f-150 lightning you had a you had a play with that right yeah that's what i'm thinking i'm thinking like the the legacy brands are going to have to start something up soon and the f-150 lightning seems like a really big one to wait for and isn't it they basically and correct me if i'm wrong you know uh 
America, there's a big job to, to wean people off, you know, big cubic capacity engines. But the genius of the F-150 is they haven't messed with the dimensions. It's still got a big, fat, flat front to it and a square oh, bonnet yeah. and a truck bed. It's not, it's not crazy in any way. Yeah, my favorite anecdote about that was like they were asking, you know, surveying truck drivers like, OK, let's describe. I'm not going to tell you which one's which, but I'm going to talk to you about a, a truck and I want you to describe it like an animal. And they'd give them the regular F-150 and the numbers and the baseline. And they were like, all right, that's kind of like a dog, you know, like a like a Labrador. And then they give you the towing capacity and all the, the, the capabilities of the F-150 Lightning. And these people who would never consider an electric truck were like, oh, that sounds baller. That sounds like a lion. That sounds like a crazy, like a bear. And then they would reveal to them like, oh, yeah, that's that's the electric one. And that got the gears turning. Like yeah. they're really thinking, oh, I guess there's something to this electric thing. They've, they've yeah. really considered the benefits. But in America, um, you know, a short drive down the road to the shops is usually about 250 miles, depending on where, where you live. <laughs> mm -hmm. A short hop in the U.S. Is a, is a longer distance than we're used to here. So I imagine there's a load of people that are just going to be ruled out because 300 miles or 250 miles isn't going to be enough. Yeah, these days, you know, I, I want to see the baseline. All of them at least hit 300 miles. If you're under 300, like that's people have to think about range too much and they never want to think about range. And then, yeah, the charging networks, the, the last X factor where if like you don't have the range, you can make up for it by being really convenient to charge everywhere. Um, I myself have a, you know, 30 mile commute every day. That's not so bad. I, I could charge once a week, but there's people who do need, you know, a lot more than that. And is the infrastructure, is it coming along as quickly as you think the, for, to keep up with the products and where everyone's like positioning to go? It's tough to say. So Tesla's got it. Tesla's got it right now here. And then beyond that, like we did a, a road trip where we tried to use Electrify America chargers and we took a, a Mustang Mach-E and it was very hit or miss. This was last year. And then beyond that, like Rivian promised a network. I don't see any of those anywhere. Mm. Um, so I, I think Electrify America is the only other one anywhere near Tesla right now. And then it's very much just like whatever you can find. Yeah, I mean, same here, right? Tes Tesla's still leagues ahead. There's, there's kind of just loads of companies springing up that are all competing. You kind of want them to just talk to each other and just, you know, get get this sorted as quickly as possible. But, but you're running a Mackie currently, but yeah. still in the UK, but it's getting to the point now you go to a charger, someone's put chewing gum in it so it doesn't fit in <laughs> properly or it doesn't work as well. Yeah, or, or, there's there's someone's a, on it. or there's a car with a petrol engine parked in the EV charging bay and you're like, oh. Well, that's the worst. There's still that's work the to worst. do, but yeah, that Rivian, we're all desperate to, to have so, a go in so that. So is that, is that your pick for 22 then, the, the Rivian? You have, have you driven it yet? Yeah, I had it for about 48 hours I had that car. that I've driven it. I was very impressed. It launches harder than like some some base Model 3s, like yeah. you know, some sports cars. Yeah, I love that thing. I think if, if I was looking for, you know, they're only going to ship, I think they've said like 25,000 of them this year or something like that. But if I had a favorite EV for 2022... I think that's the one. But again, I want to look forward to the ones that are going to take over like the dominant like thirty to fifty thousand yeah. dollar like real people buying it type mm -hmm. space. Cause uh, you know, the, those are those are gonna be good too. Yeah. And it seems like the Koreans, the Hyundai and Kia are the ones that are killing it there. Cause they're they're offering affordable cars, but mm -hmm. with this kind of three hundred mile plus range. So yeah. Look, Marcus yeah. Brownlee, man of the people. He doesn't just drive yeah. electric supercars and <laughs> 800 horsepower trucks. You know, he can get down with the Hyundai's. He's only saying that because he hasn't got his Tesla Roadster yet. Otherwise, yeah, he'd exactly. be cruising in that every day yeah, for his yeah, 30, yeah. 30 miles. I mean, someday. Someday. <laughs> someday. Cross your fingers. Have a word with Elon. You're the one who can get there closer than we can. All right. Well, hopefully we'll talk again before you get your Roadster, which means sometime in the next five years. <laughs> Marquez, it's been so nice talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much. And keep up the good work in the mag and, uh, and online. All right. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Cheers. There you go, the king of tech YouTube, or YouTube tech king. The man with nearly 15 million subscribers. Many, many subscribers and followers and yeah. all the other internet gangs, yeah. but uh, that's that. But being the electric awards issue, we should get into the topic at hand. Get straight into it. The GT4 RS. Ah, because you've been driving that, haven't you? I have. Something with a... I managed to sneak in a petrol-powered car. Um, yeah, the Porsche 911, uh, Porsche 911, the Cayman GT4 RS. It's a car I've been so excited about. 
Honestly, I think everyone in the world has because yeah, no, but I've got an ex- I've got an extra reason that I'm being excited about it. Why is that? Well, so so we went and shot the car statically in a studio with Andreas Poininger showing us around um, before Christmas. I think it's on in November. Um, again, you can watch that walk around video on our YouTube channel. But basically, what I wasn't allowed to tell you until now is that Poininger turned up in a. Uh, a prototype. So he obviously drives around in the cars. So this is Andreas Preuniger, the head of the GT department at Porsche. There we go. The brain behind it all. The brain behind all their uh, best fast cars. So uh, anyway, so it's black wrapped, this car. It's, it's clearly a prototype. So we, we finish talking and I say, look, do you know what would help me really understand this car, really get under its skin? If you took me out for a drive in, in your GT4 RS, to which the... Um, the PR man had a sort of mild heart attack, but mm. then agreed. Well, Proininger was bang up for it straight away. Uh, the PR man eventually said, look, as long as you promise not to talk about it um, on like a you know a podcast or anything like that, then it will be fine. So uh, You cross your heart and swear to die. <laughs> yeah, you, you pinky do promise. whatever it takes. Did you do a pinky where... promise to Proininger? Yeah, 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 pinky promise, um, black and white magic, no rub outs. <laughs> and, uh, so anyway, we went out for a drive on some of the local roads. The noise this car makes i just wasn't expecting so i came back like absolutely tingling head to toe but i think i phoned you, you from did. the studio going i wasn't making much sense was like, rowan gt4 os it's the best car ever uh, i hadn't even driven it yet and um because the the thing is there's a lot of people in our industry me included who get very gooey with anything that's got a porsche gt badge on it mm. but you're not one of them not really. No, I wouldn't say it's my sort of, yeah, it's not really my soft spot. But I think I'm quite shallow. So when a car has this really obvious kind of superpower that I can get my teeth into, I love it. Mm. And this one is the noise. And it's just going to gonna blow people's minds. Because it's, di- it's, it's, a, it's a different noise, isn't it? It's mm. all induction. So basically there's where you're, you know, the rear quarter panels of the windows normally be. They're just two giant intakes. Exactly. For the engine, yep. and that's right where your ears are, and exactly that. And uh, so it's the engine; it's the four liter flat six from the GT3, nine thousand RPM, five hundred horsepower to begin with. Um, and what's really interesting? So go, go. I keep pushing people towards watching the videos on YouTube, but please do; it will help you understand all of this. Now we've labelled that: is this the best sounding car in the world? A lot of chat in the comments there. Um, a lot of love for the Lexus LFA, wasn't there? Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot but people... that's the car you have to be outside to hear. Exactly. So in an LFA, you're basically doing a public service. You're driving past someone on the road. They listen to you drive past with your screaming V10, and they have the best day of their lives. But inside the car, don't get me wrong, it sounds good, just not as good. With the GT4 RS, you drive past, yeah, decent sounding. It basically sounds like a sort of standard GT4 from the outside. On the inside, it's a flipping rock concert. It's so loud. Um, and then when you pile on the revs, it's just, it's like this sort of multi-layered sound. So it starts off this kind of wobbly thing and then it kind of hardens in the mid-range and then you get to like 7,000 to 8,000 RPM where you sort of think, uh, yeah, my head might explode. And you still got another 1,000, at which point you have a small eargasm. Well, beautiful description. Thanks so much. But we have a box of technology that I can open and we can actually listen to it now. So, three, two, one, prepare yourself for awesome. Yikes! <laughs> I told you it was good. But I, I still don't think you can truly understand it unless you realise that that is literally being just directed straight into your ear holes, not out the back of the car. It's amazing. Yeah, I, but we don't buy it just to be a moving hi-fi. What is it like to drive? Oh, I forgot to assess that. No, uh, it, it, it's brilliant. Like, it, it it does all the things that we know that Porsche does better than than anyone else. So all the, diff, all the touch points are just spot on. Steering's fantastic. The brakes are good. Ours was on ceramics. Um... The surprise, I suppose, was how usable it was on road. So you've got, you know, two settings for the dampers. Uh, it was 
completely fine. Uh, it's it sort of seventh gear cruise on the motorway. You can get it to quieten down. You've got a sports exhaust button, hit that, and then some of the exhaust drone dies off. It's, it, it's quite noisy when you're driving along because you cannot switch the induction noise off. But it's a way more usable package than it looks with the stripes, with the big winds, with all the extra aero and everything. And that's why it wasn't. And then on track, it's just fantastic. It's just just a really, really, really impressive machine. Um, so hold up, where were you in the world for this? Like, where did this all take place? Portugal. Right. Estoril. So we had uh, a day on the track, basically, at Estoril track, and then a day in the roads just about an hour north of, of Lisbon. Looked like a lovely winding road. Yeah, it was quite good. It was a bit narrow, actually. Oh. Uh, I'll be honest, we, we sort of put our eggs in one basket, headed for this road. Um, in the end, it was just it was just fantastic because it was quiet and we basically had it to ourselves. So, um, yeah. But that's the thing, yeah, for the viewers and re- readers of the magazine, is that the, uh, you know, the roads that look best to photograph exactly. stuff on it aren't necessarily the best to it drive It was one on. of those. It but, was one of those. Yeah. And actually, you see there's, there's comments on the video saying, wow, where's that road? It looks fantastic. Well, hats off to Charlie Rose for making it look that fantastic. It was a bit narrow and a bit bumpy, but look. Awesome videographer Charlie Rose. Check out his work on the YouTube channel now. But the bigger question is, does it need a manual gearbox? Surely everything's analog nowadays. We we, we need that. Well, everyone needs something to argue about, don't they? Um, this is the way I put it. Would that car with a manual gearbox be a lovely thing to drive and to experience? Absolutely. Of course it would. But it's against the RS doctrine that... that to, to put a manual gearbox in. RS is about... It's the most hardcore cars. It's, it's about... Um, track performance it's about keeping your hands on the wheel and and the other thing is the pdk box is so good that that gearbox with that engine is just an incredible changing gear in the pdk pinging up at eight and a half nine thousand rpm there's like this little hydraulic hiss there's this kind of mechanical wallop it's a proper experience as well so two days driving it around i wasn't lamenting the fact that it didn't have a manual gearbox but i can see how people would want one but I don't think you're going to get one. Yeah, but then you can get a GT3 with a manual gearbox. Exactly. You can get does it G- step on the toes of the GT3? Same engine? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it does in, in some ways. You talk to Porsche and they're very, very adamant that it's aimed at a different customer. So a GT3 is basically the model that they throw all the technology at. So that is the one that has, you know, the rear wheel steering, the double wishbone front suspension, basically anything they can do to make it faster, uh, around a track and, and more engaging to drive. Whereas this was more of kind of an emotional exercise. So it's like, what's the kind of craziest collection of components we could possibly put together and just make a car that lodges itself in your memory? And and it's the GT4 RS. So actually, yeah, you put them put them next to each other, and no, you could you could feasibly own both, and they would serve different purposes in your garage. But also. There's another car coming later this year. Well, yes, the GT3 RS, which looks absolutely bananas. Yeah. Look, have you seen that active <laughs> wing on the back? It's the size yeah. of a, like a library shelf. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, as you say, that's going to be the hardest of hardcore cars. Exactly. So, so you park, you put the GT3 RS next to the GT4 RS and there'll be an ocean between them. I think yeah, yeah. there would be. No, because one of the more strange Germanic quotes from Andreas Perrin, goes, how do you describe the GT4 RS? The Robbie Williams of cars. I won't do the accent. It's the Robbie Williams of cars, which is slightly dated reference, but I think he was saying, look, I, I, I think it was because Robbie Williams did the song, Let Me Entertain You, right? Oh, so he's not a fan of Take That. Like, the, 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 the <laughs> earlier stuff. He might be. Andreas may be a big fan of yeah, Robbie. What all he way does in his own one, but... time is, is, is up to Andreas. But yeah, um, but yeah some, some quite funny quotes there. But the um, the other person who was there was Jorg Bergmeister. So he's the, he's the driver that set the Nürburgring lap time in the GT4 RS. He obviously plays a big hand in setting these cars up and I was trying to sort of you know get some detail on the GT3 RS out of him and he was just it wouldn't be budged but he was just like a lot of wide eyes and raised eyebrows I, I think it's going to be utterly mad that I, I once had to chase him around a track in, 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 the, in a car or just, just no, no, on no, foot? yeah, we're running yes <laughs> no, in the previous GT3 RS uh, safe to say he's very quick and I couldn't keep up but yeah he, he's incredible but um Okay, you've waxed lyrical about that. I think you need a bit of a a rest. I think we can put the pressure onto someone else now. Um, Paul Horrell, have you heard of him? Yes, I have heard. He's the the extremely clever person, very experienced journalist, the OG of car journalism. 
Who's a contributor to Top Gear magazine? He is not only a colleague, he is a great friend, but he's a great mind, one of the greatest yeah. minds, who has been in the car industry, I think, since it began. And, but um, so great is his mind that we need to exercise it now and again, don't we? Yeah. Which is what this is about. Yeah, so what are we going to do? We're going to, um, we're going to get Paul Horrell on. We're going to give him 60 seconds to talk about a really quite complicated topic that we genuinely do not let him see before. Prepare for some magic, people, because this is what we have to deal with day in, day out of the office, and it's literally mind-blowing. So, everybody, the Horrellcopter, prepare for takeoff. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Mr. Horrell, were you there? Hello. Hello. You're all you're wearing a very smart shirt. Oh, it's red carpet night tonight. Oh, you're out and about, as usual. I am, yeah. yeah. Off to the unveiling of the Lotus Elytra. Which is happening. Elytra? Elytra. I, I, I would say Elytra. <laughs> ah bon? Ah. Um, and uh, it's been, the unveil's in quite an interesting place, isn't it? Yes, it's the BBC <laughs> in London. It's at our office. It's basically at the Top Gear offices. No no link, no favouritism. It just happens to be a decent venue. It's fantastic for our carbon footprint, just to roll out the office and be straight at uh, yeah. an event. But anyway, that's not what you're here for today, because it's that time of the show where we have to test your brain. And how do we do that, Mr. Ricks? So what we do is we give Paul a completely blind topic, genuinely has never seen this before, in his life, uh, and we've just got 60 seconds to explain it. Um, it's as simple as that, really, Rowan. Well, yeah, he's had absolutely no prep, and I'm sure he's going to tell us that that's the case if he gets anything wrong, is that he couldn't research it in any way. Okay, now, what's the hot topic? Because I've got my clock here, ready to go. So, it's the EV Awards issue, so it's going to be something along that line. But more specifically, we want to know what are solid-state batteries and why are they important? Time starts now, Paul. Okay, uh, in a normal battery, you have two electrodes, obviously the positive and the negative. I mean, you have multiple of them, but in each individual cell, you have one of each. And in between them is a kind of gel um, through which the uh, through which the electrons or the ions, whichever pass. <laughs> anyway, uh, but solid state batteries you don't have that gel you have a solid electrolyte um this has the advantage that they can't uh, leak um it has the advantage that they are much less likely to overheat um so they don't need complicated cooling and fireproofing measures and things like that they uh, also build or have the potential to build like batteries that are lighter and um can have more energy stored in a smaller space and mass so therefore, given that a car has room for a battery of a certain size, um, you could actually put twice the range into that one battery. Um, there are a lot of problems. And with that's it. just 60 seconds. That is just 60 seconds. Very interesting. So basically, more powerful yeah, batteries, less holes. range anxiety. Uh, do, uh, yeah. I'll give you one more chance. Do you want it to be an ion or an electron? <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, the, the electrons go around the circuit. So, therefore, the ions cross between the um, electrodes. Obviously. Obviously. Um, and so, yeah, solid-state batteries. So, you could have a car with the same size battery that goes twice as far. Or, probably more exciting for us, is a car with the same range as today, but a battery that's half the size and weight, which actually means that interesting, slightly lighter, better handling cars suddenly yeah. hove, hove into view. Yeah, I mean, Lexus have talked about a 700-kilometre car yeah. An electric car that effectively replaces the LFA. Mm -hmm. But they said we won't be able to do that thing until we get solid-state batteries. But fortunately, Toyota have been um, researching them longer than most and might get to build them first. But I'm afraid they're like autonomous cars. They're not as soon as people think they'll be. I mean, Dyson designed his whole car around a solid-state battery that was unforthcoming. And yeah. So he gave up. So what year? Give us a year. Solid-state batteries? Yeah. 2020. Seven, probably in a car, you know, in a kind of, you know, there's a lot going on in 2027 like type car. 2027, that's when we get solid state batteries and our cars can drive us back from the pub. I'm going to mark my diary now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's worth it. But Paul, great to see you. Enjoy the Lotus later. Everyone will be able to see the news out on topgear.com mm -hmm. and across all our social channels. And um, yeah, enjoy your shirt. Enjoy the wine. <laughs> Cheers, Paul. 
Just... Yeah, I'm <laughs> too kind. I'm not coming back in an autonomous car. What can I do? <laughs> Paul Horrell there. Uh, the man, the myth, the horrorcopter. Um, so, right, what else have we got going on in this uh, EV Awards issue? Uh, quite a lot of EV Awards, I think. Quite a lot of EV Awards. <laughs> Funny that. Uh, so the Rimac Nevera, we sent Tom Ford off to the Arctic Circle to drive it on ice because when you got 2,000 horsepower, obviously you go and drive it on ice. Um, slightly melty ice because... Slightly, uh, yeah. Yeah, the the realities of climate change were very apparent on that when um, part of the RIMAC went through the ice, but uh, yes. we could read the feature for that one. But also celebrating greats from the past, the BMW i3, still I think one of the best. The inaugural Lifetime Achievement Award for the BMW i3. Um, so well done to them. Uh, there's a massive 11-car EV crossover test that Ollie Marriage um, hosted. Uh, basically, it was a reception party for the Tesla Model Y, which is... a arrived in the UK eventually. We got the presenters in there, TV presenters, Harris's EV of the Year, Paddy and Freddie. I won't give them away just yet. You can uh, pick up the issue or have a, have a look on topgear.com for all the winners and loads more info on them. But the one I want to talk about is the big winner. It's the overall electric car of the year and it's the VW ID Buzz. Um, so, Amazing treatment. Um, we were the first ones that got to have a go in it in the UK. Um, Ollie Marriage got the um, got the gig on this one, so I'll bring in Ollie. Ollie, you there? Yeah, I'm here, boys. There he is. There he is. So the ID Buzz. Now, Ollie, can you explain to everyone what the ID Buzz is? Why it's so exciting for everyone, really, apart from Rowan? Yeah, I can. It's. I mean, if you put it in, it's basic and least interesting terms it's basically a van on the same platform as the as the Volkswagen ID3 and ID4 but what it actually means to to me and to hopefully a load of other people and I know every, you guys as well is that it's the return of the VW bus and it has the opportunity to take electric cars in a different direction because so far what we've seen is that everyone's doing electric crossovers because they're the big sellers and that's what people have been buying with petrol engines. So that's a safe part of the business for them to invest in. So Volkswagen have done that with the ID4, but now what they've done is recreated the old Type 2 camper from the 1950s and 60s and updated it into the electric era, which just makes so much sense because vans are brilliantly packaged. They, they offer a lot of space. The problem is they had an image problem. And that's why people would buy want SUVs and crossovers. But here's one that's really, really cool. So you ha just hope and in, that this can inspire people to make to realise that a van is a better way of transporting your family around than an SUV. But is also, it... like the you know the whole hashtag van life movement is just <laughs> booming. And vans, well, you're part of that movement, aren't you, Ollie? And <laughs> yes. many other people. In the Ollie, top of your Ollie is a, a T6 yeah. California owner. But yeah. also, you've yeah. got some skin you in the think game. That everyone in the Top Gear office, you know, their cars are, you know, sideways supercars. They're not. They tend to be vans because they like to throw children, <laughs> uh, picnic blankets, mountain bikes, whatever, into the back of them. Mm. So this is exciting. Yeah. And as you say, the platform for shoving a load of batteries in something fits into a van. But you thought you'd go and see quite a few other vanists, mm. um, yes. and you took it down to our California. Uh, Cornwall. Yeah. Yeah. Cornwall. Yeah. Uh, Newquay in Cornwall. It was, yeah, because in, uh, th that's what it, the, the original was known for, wasn't it? It was the surf culture thing from the west coast of LA and the hippie movement, all that sort of thing. So when Volkswagen, so we had to do a lot of work behind the scenes with Volkswagen to persuade them to allow us to borrow the car um, and, so, and to do a big feature treatment with it um, so we could, do, you know, drive it and assess it properly. So yes, we got we we managed to persuade them that we can bring it all the way down to Newquay, and there I wanted to because I, it, in a way, with that car, the way it drives doesn't particularly matter. Electricity makes brilliant sense in family cars. It's, I, I don't buy it as a fuel for as a as a means of propel, propelling sports cars and supercars so much, but for vans, it's fabulous because it's smoother and silent and all the lovely stuff that you want low low center but of gravity which, which i know in, in the vw so it's vans all improvement yeah yeah it's all improvement which is great but then i thought so actually the driving of it doesn't matter too much but i want to know what people who are vw van owners already think of this you know whether they're convinced of it so 
I did a lot of fast pedaling on Google Maps and stuff to find companies that convert VW vans, company, you know, people that modify them, that uh, just own them, that own all sorts from, you know, T, original T2s through to T3s, T25s, T4s, T5s, all these people. We got them all together to come and have a look at this. So I think, I think we had nearly 30 vans there in total. It's like your own, the ID own Buzz. bug jam festival going on there. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And some very nervous men from beer, from, from Volkswagen standing <laughs> around the edges going, oh my God, are these people going to pull our car to bits? But it was it, it was fabulous because they were they were a it's really interesting talking to the sort of people who convert these about the challenges that you know trying to t- turn an electric van into a camper van poses. It's weird stuff like you have to put if you want to put gas into one of these for your stove and your heating and stuff. You the, the regulations say that you have to have a pipe directly below the gas hob or directly below your gas canister to drain out of the bottom bottom but of course if you've got battery pack underneath your floor you can't do that nearly as easily so it's all these sort of weird little changes and things it, they'll it, have to look at you're saying at, you so. shouldn't drill directly through a lithium-ion yeah, battery pack yeah it's funny that isn't it it's, it's and they weird, were talking about just gone through it yeah just gone in case. a bit of gaffer yeah. tape it'd be fine yeah it? yeah and they were saying you know if you want to put seats in it we'll probably have to glue them in because we can't we don't want to drill them in because unless we've got you know the, the drawings that show yeah. us yeah. how much clearance exactly you've got before you go into we a should say ollie bag. that these so these are these are people that um you know uh, their business or their hobby or mm. their passion is, is converting vw vans but vw yeah. are going to bring an official california yeah, camper yeah. but that's a long wheel when the long wheelbase buzz comes along so, and that'll yeah, be basically a few three, years three years three years time so oh. this one at the moment i i think people some people if they're van owners and this is what i was interested in uh, they were a couple of them were slightly disappointed by it saying it's not big enough inside because it's a couple of cubic meters smaller than a t6 and it's only got five seats whereas what volkswagen will do in time so this one you should see it as the as the sort of family estate family suv one this is one that to be used for your daily stuff in three years time 2024 2025 i think they've said there will be a long bill based one there'll be twin motor ones there'll be They'll do a California one with a pop-up roof and all the camping kit in it. That's all coming. So this is the start of a range. The buzz is the start of a range. Yeah, yeah. And did you, um, I bet you came across some people that had named their vans because it's a big thing in the VW community, Mm. isn't it? They're getting these human names. It was a struggle struggle finding someone who hadn't. (laughs) (laughs) And did did you find time to give the buzz test car a name? Lightyear, really surely. Come on. <laughs> Buzz Lightyear, of I didn't. course. Yeah, Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Low-hanging fruit That's there, Ollie. You should have... Yeah. But, but yeah, I yeah. urge everyone, um, check out the mag, but also check out all our channels because there'd be pictures everywhere. You know, the Buzz we've only seen in isolation in studios. When you put it in a real-world environment, especially next to the old one, it does look super futuristic. And amazingly, I don't know how Ollie organised it, but there was sun in uh, New Key. So we actually had like <laughs> yeah. a proper Californian sunset with some original splitties. And yeah. the pictures from Mark Fagelson are sensational. But it does look big. It does look big next to the old ones. And, I mean, but it looks small next to a T6 a little bit. But yeah, it's it's a great package. The sense of being in it, that's what I love. It's it's you sit in this in this driver's seat, and yes, you've got the sort of the clean Volkswagen layout, but it's just because the steer the, the windscreen's so far away and big and upright, and the sense of space, it's just feel I don't think there's I I can't think of a more special and distinctive driving environment that i'd rather be in to do distance in than that actually i mm-hmm. think it's tremendous now ollie i know uh, i don't want to give too much away but you have expressed interest with your local vw dealer yes. so this is the acid test isn't it you've driven it yeah. you're one of a you know the only person outside vw's actually driven this car so far so um would you swap your t6 for one as it stands no i probably wouldn't because the, and it's this okay i'm gonna get really geeky on you for a second here <laughs> I, I i do a lot of ri- bike riding i love my bikes so i need to carry bikes on the back but on the new buzz because it has they've it had to have an electric tailgate the tailgate isn't strong enough to have bikes hung on it and to be able to open with bikes on it and you go okay but i can stick them on a tow bar rack we so you can stick bikes on a tow bar rack that's fine but the tow bar rack probably won't tilt far enough to allow the boot door to open. So that's something that's something I haven't checked yet. 
And also the towing capacity, if you're interested in this sort of stuff, is only a tonne where the, the T6s and things can tow two and a half tonnes. So caravan owners aren't going to want it. And what's that about? Why 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 but the lower towing? I'm, I think it must be a, a corollary of the, of the motor and the battery pack and mm-hmm. the torque. I'm not yeah. quite sure why that Basically, why that zero range. Yeah. We haven't even talked car. about yeah. right. You know, it will do, we should say. Uh, it's, it's probably going to be about 250 miles. I, I reckon they'll warrant it about 280 because the equivalent ID4 yeah. is like 315. Mm-hmm. So I reckon it'll come in at about 280. But that yeah. means... 200 if you're lucky probably 200 on average and then if you load it up stick anything on the outside tow anything that's going to fall dramatically or it's cold jesus Mm -hmm. it's yeah it's going to be dropping quite a bit but yeah so i did look at it and i still am as a very as a as a potential to swap basically because my t6 which is five four five years old is still worth now what i paid for it four or five years ago it's bonkers that's so i nuts. sort of went oh it's a good trade-in deal i can get, get on it and that's a very good point actually because a lot of the chat around the buzz is it's going to be it's going to be expensive so they're talking about a kind of smaller battery version later that will start from about 50 grand but that means these launch versions are gonna with the bigger battery probably they're gonna start at 60 upwards which is a massive chunk of money but bearing in mind how well VW vans hold their price. You know, if you've got the money in the first place, then it's unlikely to depreciate. So, a bit of consumer advice that, for you there. Yeah, that's exactly it, isn't it? Is it going to convince people to be a summer of love, to be more fertile, a bit like back in the day, and then use their bus? <laughs> well, I suppose it depends whether we get a summer in this country, doesn't it, or not? Well, but, I think uh, we only we had we had that one day in Yuki. We're done <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, we've, we've, we've used it. Day such a, I don't know. I could see. Yeah, I think it's an interesting point, though, because whether people use it to, you know, hang out like hippies in fields all summer or not, it's selling an idea. It's selling a kind of romantic idea of that kind of lifestyle. It's a bit like you buy a, you know, you buy a new Defender because it could drive over the top of a mountain, but you never do it. You know, you're sort of you're buying that, yeah. a well, apart from you. Um, you're buying a sort of little flavour of, of of that lifestyle. I love the idea that I could pack my family and my two kids in the back, all our stuff, go to some sort of festival in the countryside and hang out, you know, uh, probably never going to happen, but, you know, I'll probably just end up driving to the tip and back. Interesting. One of the options they're offering with it, one of the options they're, gonna, they're offering with it is when you fold the seats flat, there'll be a shelf that you can put in the boot to level up and there'll be a, then one of the options will be a mattress that you can stick on the back. So that even before the California everything comes out, you could turn it into a two bed well, van or there's a joke to be say... had there, but I'm not gonna I, I'm not gonna say it just to be <laughs> Was it a summer of love. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah so just we'll got more likely. See. There you go. Well, on that note, uh, I think we'll we'll leave. Yeah. So ID buzz, everyone's excited about it. Um, will we see an army of them outside schools and the next family car in the future? We'll have to see. But um, yeah, check out it's the cover star of the latest issue, the big winner. Yeah, uh, and there's again a full video of Ollie's time down in Newquay um, with all the Vanis yeah. um, on the on the website. We've and also on got we also Ollie Q did a brilliant walk around of the buzz in a studio, so you've got all the details there. We shot our own, we did an amazing photo shoot, uh, Wilson Hennessy, which looks fantastic. So, if you're at all interested in the buzz, get yourselves to uh, TopGear.com because it's all on there. Yeah. All right, Ollie, buzz off, buzz off. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. Um, to wrap up, should we have a little little quiz? Yeah, love yeah? a quiz. Love a quiz. So this is our Top Gear Top Nine quiz. We'll bring in the Quizard of Oz himself, Ollie Q, uh, senior road test editor, the Quizmasters. He's the man that writes these top nine lists in the mag online. Uh, the idea is we get three guesses each to name the things that are in his list. It will make sense, honestly, Ollie. What's the topic today? It will make sense until I start explaining this. Today, <laughs> I'm looking for crazy fan cars. This list was inspired by uh, the Gordon Murray T50, mm-hmm. obviously infamous for having the big fan on the back to generate downforce. Lots more cars have had fans over the years. Can you tell me some of them? Should I go first? Uh, yeah, please, yeah. McLaren F1. It's straight in. It's straight in with the correct answer. Where? Yes. You yes. see, Gordon oh. Murray's... 
the successor, the T50, has its fan proud on the back. But the uh, the F1 actually had two fans buried deep in it because Murray had the idea ages ago, but just didn't really have time to perfect it. Um, with the F1, so um, yeah, did they work? Did they produce downforce. Apparently, yeah, but... they had enough downforce to overcome the car's natural lift, so it kind of made the car more neutral, but it didn't stick it to the ground the same way it will with the T50. But it just shows how long those ideas rattle around in Professor Murray's big brain box before um, we yeah. get to experience. Them. Embarrassingly, I only found this out when we did our shoot with the T50, and we also brought along a McLaren F1. Gordon Murray's ex-McLaren F1, no less. And we was walking around it, and then he pointed out the fact that this had a fan as well, to which I looked a bit confused, and then he explained what Ollie just told us. Because hmm. he was the origina- originator. Are we doing road cars or are we allowed race cars as well? Oh, I just said cars with fans, nothing about number plates. Yeah, yeah. road and race. All right, you'll go, row. Because there was the Brabham fan car, which started everything off. Oh, this is Genesis. Yeah, another correct answer. The uh, Brabham BT46B. Uh, I think it's possibly the only Formula One car to have 100% win record, turned up, won the 1978 Swedish Grand Prix, and then they withdrew it. It was never banned, but the other teams got so angry about it that Bernie Eccleston, the team boss at Brabham at the time, said, we'll, we'll, um, we'll not campaign the car with the fan again. Sad story. And sure, a few people wanted to do that with Mercedes for the last eight years as well. So uh... There you go. Bernie Eccleston, more honourable than Mercedes F1. <laughs> Who knew? Now, um, I'm not going to say... Gordon Murray T50 because you've given that away by saying this list was inspired by it. That's that's too easy. So what I'm well going to go for instead <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, is a little car, little slice of carbon fibre, 1,000 horsepower electric car, single seater, not quite finished yet, but we had one along at our speed week last year. The McMurtry Spearling? Spearling? Spearling. Said like a question because no one quite knows how to pronou- <laughs> pronounce the McMurtry Spearling. Um, you're quite right. That has got a fan. It's not on the list. <laughs> oh. Oh. I think I wrote this list before we had that along to Speed Week. I think oh. it's been lurking in my imagination for a while before a it's made it out. This is a classic list from the archive, is it? It may well be, yeah. One of the, um, one of like now that's what I call top nines. It's a compilation. But um, yeah, I'm afraid that's not on the list. But a great guess. Yeah, this car's going to have a thousand kilos of downforce. Mm. It's going to be the classic stick itself to the ceiling um, racer if yeah. they get round to letting us have From a go. From England as well. Yes. From Bristol, I British. think. British. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, David McMurtry came up with the idea for it and he did the engines on Concord. So there's a man who knows about making stuff go really fast through the About yeah. thrust. He knows <laughs> a lot about thrust. Um, I'm going to stick to the race cars. Because I know, and I've always found it fascinating. You see it going up the hill most years at Goodwood, the Chaparral 2J, which basically looks like a dishwasher from the back or like a washing machine, you <laughs> yeah. know, when you pull them out from under the, the kitchen unit and then you sh- if you slap that onto the back of a car, it basically looks like this. The aerodynamic profile at the rear. Please don't isn't a glue tail. your washing machine to the back of your car, listeners. Yeah. No, I mean, he's, he's absolutely right. I'm Normally, Rowan, you're not so good on the historicals, but this week, absolutely killing it. Chaparral 2J, yeah, it looks like a chest freezer that's crashed into the back of a Can-Am car. Yeah, um, that's exactly, that's the best way of saying it. Go yeah. and have a look at it and the highlights of, yeah, going up the hill, like you say, at Goodwood. Um, yeah, flashing grit into people's faces. It's um, possibly the ugliest race car ever, but um, yeah, it was really ahead of its time. There's a Chaparral Museum, by the way, in France that I went past once, and I thought they, with a few cars in it, it's in the. It's got re- like wind turbines next to it, spinning really fast. No, yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you can get your washing done there really quickly. But the um, yeah, check it out if you can. But you wouldn't. It just pops out of nowhere. Uh, went past on a road trip, so check that out. But Jack, third and final answer. Please. Third and final. Um, okay, so. I, I can see all sorts of holes in this that you're going to... Uh, all reasons you're going to say this is wrong. Uh, but the aerial hypercar. So, now, I realise it's not finished yet. We haven't seen it. But this is the, this the kind excuse of bizarre... The excuse is straight after the answers here. Turbine range extender mega fast uh, hypercar that um, Ariel is working on. Am I right? I'm going to give you that one. Because... The they've hyper- shown it in they've shown the, the hypercar, fans working. Yeah, yeah, they've shown yeah, they've shown the concept working. What I actually put in the list was the Aerial Atom Aero P. So ah. the um which actually stood for the Aerodynamic Efficiency Requirements and Optimization Optimization Project. It's easy for me to say. Um <laughs> this was effectively an atom that looked like it had sort of run over, you know, uh, 
some debris in the road and it it's got pr- stuck proof to the bottom of, concept of the car. For the hypercar, yeah, right? it was basically a skirt with a fan underneath it, suck the Atom, a famously very light car, hard down onto the road and um, give it more downforce than Wings ever could. They say that they're working on putting that into, yeah, a hypercar that's going to take it to Ferrari and McLaren. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed we're going to go in that very soon. And that is a perhaps controversial point for Jack. Rowan, can you win it? No, because that was <laughs> what I was going to say. And I ah. haven't got... Uh, I rack my brain right now. Well, there's a, there's, a, there's a point for the snaffling if you fancy cheating. I don't cheat. What car, was what car inspired this list? Oh, but are we allowed that? Oh, this is friendly help. Oh, how generous <laughs> of you. But the, the T50. But you've just given it away. That car inspired the list. It's not on the list. Oh, that car made oh, me oh, think I of... anyway. <laughs> that car I'll never listened to a rival. Made me think of other cars that had fans. <laughs> so there we are. No, I'm afraid. Yeah, the T50, of course, yeah, going to be um, famous for having the fan on the back. But yeah, isn't on the list. I was thinking of stuff just like... Just to check, right? If I told you to jump out a window, would you jump out a window? I don't know, maybe. You're yeah. the boss. Yeah. <laughs> what about something like the Porsche 917? The mad flat 12 that needed to cool, so it had a, a big cooling fan stuck right on top. Like yeah, but that didn't help. Unit. Well, I guess, yeah. It's a car with a fan. Yeah, but all cars have fans in. They've got HVAC systems. Oh, well, why didn't you say that? Well, well, yeah. That would have been a great answer. I also, know. sorry to all air-cooled Porsche owners listening, talking about, oh, they do have fans, don't they? Yeah. Oh, right no, they have radiators. Got mixed up. <laughs> anyway. Well, all right. You've missed the open goal, both of you. What's that? Which car has the scariest fans of all? Yeah, that's right. Teslas. Oh, oh look at him. Right, I'm now going to go into witness protection, so thanks very much for having me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, good to see you again, Ollie. We'll see you uh, next time. Thanks, Al. Big fan of his work there, Jack, aren't you? Yeah, he's a smart boy. He's a smart boy. He's Yeah, he's also quite nerdy, but that's what we, <laughs> that's what we need in the team. That's what we need. Keeps us on our toes. Yeah. But I feel like that's probably enough that's for today. plenty, mate. And also, there's quite a lot for everyone else to go through and see, especially with the EV Awards. So where can everyone get hold of yeah. what we've been talking about and what's on our agenda and in our world? Yeah, the end of the podcast isn't the end. You've all got homework. Um, head to topgear.com for news and reviews, uh, loads more info on all the and all the winners. Um, don't forget to head to our Facebook page, our Twitter account, our Instagram account, our YouTube page to watch reams and reams of um, videos. Subscribe to YouTube, of course. Um, what else can they do? They can leave a review for the podcast. They can also buy the magazine, Jack. Oh, yes. The thing that we've been talking about. But also, please do check out the YouTube because there is the full awards ceremony where we go through each winner. And also on topkit.com, there's a dedicated page. And if you're interested in buying an EV, I would check out Ollie Marriage's walk-around of all the top EVs that are on sale now. So that's enough plugging, isn't it? That's plenty. Thanks for listening. See See you you next time. time.